if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Allow me to explain. It's free, and we all love free stuff. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome to a reaction podcast with uh, special guest Stephen Ground. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today, as we're both hockey writers covering the St. Louis Blues, all that stuff, got to talk about the signing yesterday. Tory Krug, the defenseman, played for the Bruins his entire career, 29 years old now. What are your initial reactions to signing Tory Krug? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a complicated question, obviously, with the Petrangelo situation out there. But just starting with Krug uh, on his own, I I don't think you can criticize it, you know, at all, really. I mean, the, the term is a little long. Maybe you'd have preferred to go five or six years. But I think that's probably something Armstrong used to keep the cap hit down and 6.5 uh, for, you know, a defenseman who – gets 30, 40 assists a season a lot of times. I don't think is is nearly uh, anything worth – I mean, I think it's a really good cap hit, honestly. So, um, you know, in a vacuum, leaving the Petrangelo stuff aside, Krug is a great defenseman. Um, he's had 40 assists each of the last five seasons. He is, uh, you know, a puck mover and, and probably that power play specialist that uh, as good as Petrangelo could be on the power play, he wasn't necessarily a specialist. So I think, I think he fills the hole that we have, um, and I think he's a, a great addition. Uh, it's just you know the circumstances surrounding it are, are really, to me, the only thing that cloud the question a little bit. I agree uh, on all of that, and I, I got to think like, man, that Justin Fall contract is just brutal, and I'm also kind of. <laughs> kind of worried about the right side defensively because you look at what they have they have Falk Falk was very good in the playoffs for what you compare to the regular season Uh, he was really the only defenseman that was willing to shoot the puck and go hard at the net for some reason in the playoffs he was like the only guy um Colton Pareko's good we all know that uh he's the big defenseman good defensively after that it's Bortuzzo I mean and you you look at the young defensemen coming up Perunovic Mikola those guys are both left-handed so I'm a little worried about the right side. Uh, are you also worried about that? Uh, yeah, honestly, yes, I am. I'm I'm probably the reverse of most Blues fans in that I'm not as worried about Falk, and I'm a little more worried about Pareko. I don't think Falk is great, and obviously you'd rather not have that contract. Uh, but I actually, like you mentioned, I like what I saw in the playoffs, and I'm hopeful, maybe naively so, that we'll see uh, him kind of settled down and a little more, uh, uh, you know, a little more like the player he used to be in Carolina this season. And I think especially if Petrangelo is gone and Falk moves into a more solid, like, second, uh, you know, second second pairing and then first power play unit kind of guy, I think hopefully – you know, we never know, uh, but hopefully you'll see a little bit of improvement from him. Uh, I'm I'm worried about Pareko, not in the sense that I, I don't think he's great. Obviously, he's a, a great defenseman and, and, you know, a steal at the price that we have him for. Um, but I'm, I'm really not 
sold that he can just step up and, and become that Petrangelo cornerstone right-handed defenseman kind of guy uh, if Petrangelo does in fact leave. And um, I think I'm, I'm probably a little lower on Pareko than a lot of people, just because I think I see some of the, you know, unwillingness to shoot and unwilling, you know, a little lacking in the offensive zone. And, and I'm just not confident that without Petrangelo and without Bo Meester, you know, who he was paired with during the, the playoff run that he was so good that he can really be that true number one. But I guess we're going to see. And, you know, I, I don't doubt that he's a great player. It's just can he quite be at that level? And that's, that's more my concern with him. Yeah, and going back to Justin Falk, I mean, 16 points in almost 70 games last year is uh, not what you're looking for when you have a guy in Carolina who is – pretty good offensively there. So I, I do think, I agree with you that I think he will settle down. I mean, you look at his point totals in Carolina, he had 32, then 49, then 37, twice in a row, then 31, then 35. And he had over 10 goals in four of those seasons. So mm-hmm. if he can get back to some of that, I mean, you look at the playoffs uh, in 2020, I mean, he had a goal in nine games, but he was also all over the place. Like he was playing very well in both ends for the most part. He had a couple shaky plays there, which is what you can expect when you have a guy that's more offensively oriented than defensively. And that's kind of what Krug is. Now, what do you think the top four looks like if Petrangelo has gone and it looks that way now, never say never as Doug Armstrong said last <laughs> night, but what do you think the top four looks like on opening night, whenever that is? Yeah, I think you probably see, um, Falk and Scandella together and Pareko and Krug together, however you want to look at those two. Uh, you know, presumably you look at Pareko and Krug as, as the first pairing. Um, but, you know, whichever direction you want to look at those, I think that's probably what the team would go with. And then, um, you know, you kind of flip flip that and have Falk and, and Krug be your power play unit, which, you know, I think is – on its face, uh, a fantastic pairing to have on the power play. And, and that's an area where we really struggled at times last season. So I think that's what you're looking at. Obviously, there's the Scott Perunovich wild card in there. There's the Vince Dunn wild card. You know, my my thinking is that with this signing, Vince Dunn's probably becomes a trade chip, but I don't know that, you know. So uh, those are kind of the question marks there. But I think that's probably your top four as it stands right now. Yeah, I don't know what is going on with Vince Dunn um, as an RFA. It, it feels like, um, you know, defensively, really what you look at with all the defensemen that they have, Mikola seemed to be pretty good defensively. I wonder if he's going to get a shot. Uh, Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo are always going to be in that role where they're pretty interchangeable. Uh, Scandella played pretty well. He had some some shaky plays in the in the playoffs, but he was pretty good filling in for Bo Meister last year. Um, I would be worried a little bit about the defense, um, the defense, I guess I should say, in terms of uh, what we look at in terms of the six guys that are there. Let's go to the power play because I think that this first power play unit could be unreal. I mean, they already had the number two power play last year or three or whatever it was. It didn't feel like it. But uh, would you, what would you go with um, on the first power play unit? You'd have – Falk and Krug on the back end, and then who would you have as the forwards? Would you go Shin, O'Reilly, uh, you know, one of those two, and then also Schwartz or Perron? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think probably you'd keep that O'Reilly-Perron connection to me just because they have been so good 
Um, and then probably, yeah, you have Shen on the outside there, but I wouldn't, wouldn't rule out some, some looks at Robert Thomas on the wing or, or something like that and, and having his creativity and playmaking up there. I think, you know, it's an, an opportunity this season for him to take a big step forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's those, those four veterans kind of Schwartz, Schwartz, Shin, which is never easy to say back to back, and uh, Perron and O'Reilly that, that get your first look and then they can kind of look at youngsters like Kyrou and, and uh, Thomas on, you know, as, as kind of fill-ins there if they need a little uh, shot in the arm. So what do you think is next in terms of the offseason for Doug Armstrong and the Blues? Because like last night he said they were talking to a forward and a defenseman. I don't think they're done. Um, I think there's going to be some trades that come. I think Vince Dunn, as you mentioned, could be a guy they look into trading. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, Tyler Bozak. Could he be traded? Obviously, you'd have to um, retain some salary on him. But, uh, I mean, I feel like looking at it on the surface in terms of what this team could do to make more moves, as Armstrong said last night, you never say never, you don't close the door. I have a feeling if Petrangelo doesn't like what he sees in Vegas – he goes back to Armstrong and says, what can you do? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that Armstrong tries his absolute best to get him uh, back. What do you think is, is coming in the next few weeks uh, for the Blues offseason? Yeah, um, you know, I've been, I've been chewing on it all day, and I don't, I don't want to imply that I think that Petrangelo's staying is likely at this point, um, but – I certainly am not ruling it out. Honestly, I'm, I'm maybe weirdly more confident that it's a possibility now than I was uh, 24 hours ago. And I think the reason is just how the market shaped up. You know, Vegas made the Paul Stastny trade, cleared up uh, $6.5 million, But if they're going to sign Petrangelo, they're going ha- to have to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. And I don't think they're going to be suitors for – um, what is he like a $7 million goalie in a market where goalies are, are moving left and right. And you have guys like, uh, you know, Grice and, and Kudobin filling roles. I don't think anybody's going to trade for a 35 year old at $7 million for two seasons in a flat cap world. Um, and, uh, if they can't get rid of flurry, then I don't know where the space is for Petrangelo, you know? And I, I think, I think for them, Petrangelo as good as he is, he's a luxury. Um, you know, he's, he's, they're already a very, very good team. And, and obviously adding Petrangelo makes them even better, but it doesn't, um, you know, at the tune of 8.5 or $9 million or whatever is going to cost them. It's, that's a big contract. That's a big deal for them. And they've got a lot of, long contracts as it is that are you know up above five pushing six million and even beyond that so I don't I just don't see them as that good a fit for each other even if that's kind even if that's all the rumor and then when if you take them out of the equation I don't know where there is for him to go for Petrangelo to go he's I don't believe he'd go to uh, you know Florida and be part of that rebuild or tear down process I think he wants to be on a contender and and like you said I think there's a really strong chance uh that he circles back and you know maybe he has to swallow his pride a little bit and take a lower dollar figure than he was offered at this point um 
if that happens, I think it's actually really easy for the Blues to clear salary. It might not be uh, what some fans want. You might have to look at, you know, trading Jaden Schwartz or Colton Pareko. Um, I know everybody wants us to just, you know, trade Tyler Bozak for a third and Alex Steen for a seventh. And, you know, but teams aren't looking for those kinds of contracts. But those two guys uh, are both huge value adds for any team. And, you know, the Blues could get young cost controlled assets back in return um and you know if you trade those two you clear 11 million dollars if you trade vince dunn and don't have to resign him that's another you know artificial three four million dollars that you don't have going into next season and then you've got plenty of space to, to add petrangela so i think it's it's up in the air if he doesn't come back if he does find a fit in vegas or wherever then like you said i think he looks elsewhere and tries to add more um I feel like I'm rambling a bit, but I, I think he, I think Armstrong recognizes that if Petrangelo leaves, it's a very different team and he can't just, he can't just pretend that, you know, they're still the cup team and, and move forward with that. I think he recognizes that he has to add um, and add a fair amount if he's going to consider himself a contender in this stacked Western conference uh, without his captain and, and arguably best player. And circling back to Vegas's like cap situation, I mean, you look at some of these contracts. Pacioretty's thirty-one. He's got seven mil. He's got a seven million dollar cap hit for the next three seasons. I don't know who's trading for that. I mean, he's a great goal scorer and all, but he's already thirty-one. Seven mil for three in this market? No. Um, yeah, and he hasn't been the same player yeah, recently. Exactly. And Riley Smith, five mil a year for the next two years. Marchessault's great, uh, good player. Five mil for the next four years. Um, I mean, Mark Stone is obviously untouchable. He's got a massive contract. Uh, I know they've been trying to trade Alec Martinez. He's $33, million for a season. Um, and then Flurry, $7 million for two years. Nobody's taking that. I mean, yeah. unless, unless Vegas retains salary. And if they retain salary, they have $1.8 million in projected cap right now. Um, I just don't see how Vegas can do it without, like, really shaking up their forward group and I mean Riley Smith do they really want to trade him I mean and another thing Pacioretty Smith and Marcheseau all have modified no trade clauses mm-hmm. or complicated I don't understand how Vegas can do it I know they love Petrangelo I know they've wanted him uh ever since he hit free agency I'm sure and before um but I just don't see I, the only thing they got going for him is they have all their first-round picks for the next three years. They have two seconds next year and two seconds in the next two years after that. They have a lot of picks, but do they really want to move all the – it seems like a very complicated situation for Vegas to be able to get it done. On top of the fact they've already traded Stastny out and they still only have 1.8 in projected space. I don't see how they make it work. Another team you look at, though, maybe he wants to go to Columbus. I mean, he'd be playing in a great top four. They have 13.6 right now with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois as, as a restricted free agent. Um, he would be playing in a top four with uh, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. It'd be great, a great top four, but, I mean, it's tough. And I don't know what's going to happen. I think that he'll probably like Vegas. I know he's visiting there today. Um, he'll probably like what they have to offer, but it just comes down to how can they make it fit under the cap. And uh, that seems like it's going to be complicated. So, 
Yeah, I think uh, one one thing I wanted to add, just because I think a lot of people misunderstand this, is the value of that Stastny trade for them. It doesn't get them anywhere near the Petrangelo money that they need going into the season. But in the offseason, you're allowed to go 10% over the cap. And that does give them the flexibility to give him that 8 or $9 million now, still be within that 10% and do the rest of it later. But they obviously can't do that if they don't think they can do the rest of it later. And that's really still the wild card there. And fortunately, Toronto made some signings yesterday and spent some money and, um, you know, now doesn't look to have anywhere near the space to to get it done. And, and that kind of prevents my nightmare scenario. So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I just think the options are drying up for Petrangelo and uh, his negotiation tactic uh, may have failed him here and he may have to kind of come crawling back home and, and take the quote unquote hometown discount that he never intended to take. Yeah. And, and hopefully Colorado doesn't have a chance. I mean, I know they have 9.9, and they could probably clear space if they wanted to, um, if they maybe if they really wanted to get him. Which I know that there's rumors out there that he could go there, but I also saw that they haven't reached out. But they have nine point nine. Tyson Jost is a, is an RFA, but they could move like an Ian Cole out and send a pick in there with four point two five million. I don't really know who's going to take that, but mm-hmm. Colorado is another nightmare scenario because if that happens, I mean, who's beating them? I mean that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's frightening, but they've also got to be thinking long term about yep. uh, a McKinnon contract that's finally going to come up. Kale McCarr is not going to be far behind him. Um, I mean, yeah, McCann, McKinnon still has three years on that deal. That's incredible. Um, but uh, you know, McCarr's coming before long, and uh, just after next year, he'll get a huge extension that you yeah. have to imagine is six, seven, eight, even more than that. Uh, their goaltenders are doing extension after this year. And then, you know, not far behind them will be uh, Bowen Byram and, and other young players that they really like. So I don't, you know, I, Colorado has the flexibility. They could do it. They could certainly do like a one or two year thing. Uh, if Petrangelo had any interest in that and just trying to load up and win a cup with, you know, arguably the most loaded lineup, uh, in the Western Conference, but I just don't see it as an obvious fit. I mean, it's unreal that Nathan McKinnon has three more seasons at 6.3. Like, that is absurd. Ugh, disgusting. I, I hope mean, he milks him for all, all of that back when he uh, comes time for it. Well, I did see – I don't know if he still believes this, but, like, earlier this year or the end of last year, he said he'd be willing to take another – uh, cut to win a cup. So I think in the next three years, they have a good chance to win one before his next contract, but mm-hmm. it's unreal. I mean, you look at what McDavid's making. McKinnon, for my money, is the second best player in the league. Um, Agreed. Yep. I think he's overall better than McDavid, but offensively, it's just McDavid's skill is like so absurd that uh, it becomes a different situation. But uh, in terms of what the Blues could do free agency-wise and the guys that are still available – uh, Mike Hoffman has been a name. I like him. I think he'd be a great fit in the top six. I wouldn't want to give him that much money, though. Um, and I wonder if kind of the Blues wait the Petrangelo situation out now, um, if they think that there's still a chance he'll circle back. Uh, since they got Krug, do they wait, or do you think they're going to try to talk to some more defensemen or forwards? Um, in terms of what the market – I mean, you have Taylor Hall there. I, that's not going to happen. Mike Hoffman is out there. Um, you know, you have uh, Tyler Toffoli's out there. A lot of a lot of names out there. What do you think they could look at here? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's I think it 
it makes a lot of sense for them to wait for the Petrangelo dust to settle because um, this is a team that's built on defense. Uh, their offense has a lot of depth, but doesn't have a lot of uh, top end scoring. And and I don't think we're going to see it uh, with any of the signings. You know, I, I like uh, Hoffman in the vacuum and I like uh, Dodonov in a vacuum. And, uh, you know, but I, I think I am of the inclination that they need to see uh, if they can get Petrangelo done. And, you know, because if they if they can add Alex Petrangelo back into this group and have a top line of Petrangelo, Krug, and and go forward with that, I mean, that's, that's I would say, the best, you know, defensive unit in, in the league by a wide margin. And uh, you can just sort of figure it out from there. Their cap crunch really is done after this season. Um, you know, you get uh, Steen and Bozak both off. You get Schwartz off. Uh, Bennington, obviously, you're not just going to let all four of those guys walk, um, but that is $20 million to play with that they can kind of do as they want with going forward. So I'm of the inclination that you you stay, you play the Petrangelo situation now, you still try to get him back, he still is your captain, he still has a chance of being, you know, your kind of franchise's greatest player um, if he does finish his career here. Um because I'm just not – I don't think any of those remaining forwards, like, you can't afford to lose them. You know, if you miss out on Mike Hoffman, that stinks. But you can probably yeah. trade for somebody equivalent to Mike Hoffman or just not have someone uh, equivalent to Mike Hoffman. And like you said, I don't want to pay him for $5 million necessarily for a handful of years. So that's my take. What do you feel about that? I would agree. Uh, I, I I agree on all that because, like, you look at the situation down the road, um, you know, and, and after 2023, you have O'Reilly and Tarasenko up. They're both making 7-5. Um, who knows what both of those players look like in three seasons. Um, I think Steen and Bozak are done here after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's a given. They've both been good players here. I mean, Bozak was – and Bozak and Thomas were very good together last year. Um, and Bozak yeah. was good in the playoffs too. He didn't put up the numbers, but he, he was uh, good in both ends. Um, Steen's been a great penalty killer here. Uh, great leader. That's fine. I don't know what happened with Schwartz. I have a feeling Schwartz will end up going to test the market next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunnarsson's done here. I think at 33, I just think that's over. Uh, Bennington, depending on how he plays this year, I, I, we just don't know what the market's going to look like next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I think that, you know, Bennington, if he plays as well as he did his rookie season, which I don't know if he's ever going to get to that again. I just think that he needs to just be a good starter that, you know, gives you an opportunity to win games. And um, yeah. another thing I'm looking at here is Steven Santini, a right-handed defenseman. That mm-hmm. was a signing today. That could be a little low key. I mean, he's 25. I think he's pretty solid defensively. Um, yeah, I just just bought out by yeah. Uh, sorry, by uh, the Predators. Yeah, um, I think he'll probably start the year in Springfield, but I feel like he could be a valuable guy to bring in and play. You know, on the third pair if someone gets hurt. I mean, he's a right-handed defenseman, so he's good defensively. That could be a little bit of a bargain deal uh, in terms of what he could possibly bring. Um, you know, and they've brought in other guys for the AHL team that should be valuable guys to bring up barring having injuries and stuff. Um, you know, in terms of RFAs next year, you have Sanford, Barbashev, 
and Thomas as RFAs. I mean, what do you think the f- contracts would look like for them? I mean, I feel like Barbashev is like a – he's making 1475 right now. I feel like he's not worth much more than that. Um, and Sanford at 1.5, I don't think he's worth much more than that. But then you get to Robert Thomas at 894 with his uh, entry-level deal. I feel like he's going to get a nice little raise. Do you think – you're going to look at like a four or five year deal with Thomas or try to lock him up eight years. What do you think uh, the future is for Robert Thomas in terms of his contract? Yeah, I think it, I think it depends on this season really heavily. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but um, look, I'm, I'm a huge Robert Thomas fan and I, I agree with uh, EA sports that he's elite and uh, really is, as the best young forward the blues have had, uh, I would say at least since Tarasenko and maybe even longer ago than that. Uh, But he hasn't quite put it all together at the NHL level yet. You know, it's just a 42 point season last year. Obviously the season was shortened. Um, But if he breaks out this year and gets more second line and, you know, power play time and gets up to 60 points, um, then I think it, it makes sense for the blues to just acknowledge that he's a huge part of their future and try and, try and get that real long-term deal and, and just do it. Uh, but if he has another one of these seasons where it's a little in the middle, very impressive, lots of skill, but not uh, a ton of results yet, then I think you may be looking at kind of a bridge deal one or, you know, two or three years and just see, Hey, how's this gonna, gonna look? And you know, what kind of player are you really um, before you kind of commit long-term? But uh, I expect him to be a very long-term part of the blues future, um, I agree with you on Samford and Barbashev. I mean, Samford could go and have a 20 or 20-plus uh, goal season here, but um, it seems, you know, unlikely, and, and uh, we'll see how that, how that goes if it happens. Uh, and then the other one to look out for is I think uh, Jordan Kyrou is also an RFA after this season. So uh, if he comes up and plays a lot and has a, a big impact, then he's another name that you have to look at a contract for. But I don't think they're in a cap crunch – uh, beyond this year, you know, I think they've got some tradable assets. They've got, uh, you know, Tarasenko expiring in a couple of years and, and who knows with his self health situation, what that'll look like. But um, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of a longer answer than you asked for, but anyway, <laughs> well, there it is. Going into this next season, who knows when that's going to start. You're probably going to have Tarasenko and Steen, on IR or on long-term mm-hmm. IR, which is going to give you more cap space now, then it becomes, okay, if, if they're going to bring Petrangelo, if they can find a way to get him back, you got to figure out what you're going to do with your cap space whenever those guys come back. Uh, and I think they could be a little complicated from there. But, um, you know, looking at it right now, do you think – what do you think happens with Petrangelo? Just uh, what do you think is going to – what's going to transpire over the next couple of days? You know, I I know that I am setting myself up for heartbreak by saying this, but I weirdly do feel like he's going to somehow circle the wagons and end up back here. I just, you know, I think the only thing that it makes sense for him to leave St. Louis is if he gets that massive payday that we're not offering him. And I don't think he's going to get that anywhere. Um you know, Greg, Greg Wyshynski always talks about players not wanting to move their stuff. And he had that long article about Petrangelo specifically. Um, 
his agent has always been a hard line negotiator and is, you know, I think if he had another agency that Petrangelo did, it'd probably be done already. But I just don't know what's out there for him. And maybe he's, you know, maybe he's offended enough at this point that he'll just sign somewhere else, you know, to kind of close the door on St. Louis and move on with his career. And, you know, if he does, best wishes to him. But it has always made sense to me that there would be a reunion. I think it has always made sense for both sides. I don't see anything changing that um, for his legacy, for the team's future, for, um, you know, the statues and the retired numbers and everything else. That's always been my position. And so maybe it's wishful thinking. It probably is, but I still kind of wonder if this doesn't get done. Yeah. I see the scenarios and in, in all on both ends. I mean, I look at like Vegas uh, seems like they want him badly. I mentioned that earlier. It seems like they really like him but it just gets very hard. And with the flat salary cap, I mean, I, there's, there's only so much you can do. And uh, now if he does return, what do you think that contract looks like for, for Petro? I think at this point it's probably eight by eight flat. Um, if, if he's going to come back and, and, you know, sign with this team now, in the position they put him in, I think he's going to have to make some concessions. I think they'll still give him the modified no move clause late in his contract. I think that's just a a respectful thing they can give him. They can still give him some of that bonus structure. um, And that's how they kind of make ends meet and, and decide on something. But, you know, I don't, I honestly don't think his camp has played this very well. Um, I don't think they, really understood the market or how it would develop. And, um, and I think it's a very real possibility that he'll have to at least, at least make another pass with the blues and see what, what their offer is. And at that point, you know, things could happen quickly. All right. That's all I got. Uh, Steven, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. And hopefully we can uh, talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I enjoy it always. Thanks.